Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. Happy Monday morning. And because you like last week so much, I decided we'll get some more of these questions out of the way, shall we? And some of them will probably engender some follow-up questions, and that's fine. You can email me at patrick at rsafeharbor.com. One of the questions was, local flood or global flood? Well, this has been a point of contention for so long in churches that it has almost become an article of faith that you have to take the Noah story literally, that there's no other way to take it and be true to scripture or have a high view of scripture. And so I can remember the arguments and I made them. I preached them, I taught them because that's what I, I knew. And in fact, the books I read backed me up because these were the books that were heavily curated to make sure they had that opinion and they would then muster their facts and we wouldn't hear the other people's facts. If that sounds odd to you, that's actually become incredibly common now. Uh, think back to the COVID years. There were people uh, opposed to the vaccine, some who questioned the vaccine, and some were super, super cheerleaders of it, and they all gathered their facts, and they all argued against each other, but they couldn't win anything because the other side had their facts, which is really frustrating. I remember, one thing that we would often tell is a proof. It even came up in something which only people in uh, my old tribe, the Churches of Christ, will remember. And that are the Jewel Miller film strips, which were shown as an evangelistic tool and which brought so many people to faith. There's no reason for us to ridicule or mock them. They just are an artifact of their time. And one of the things it showed, it, there was a slide saying all over the world, Geologists have proven that there is a layer of clean water-laid clay all over the world. And that proves that at one time, the world was entirely underwater. Well, two things. First of all, let's say it did prove that the world was underwater at one time. That doesn't necessarily then mean it was during the time of Noah's flood. That's a separate discussion. And you can talk about young earth, old earth, and the like. And in fact, that's one of the questions, but we're not going to have time to get to it today. So just be aware that doesn't solve anything. Two, and this is more important, it doesn't exist. Now, I'm sure that the people who made the film strips thought it did. I used to think it did. I read books that said it did. But now when you look at what we've been able to find, and because, face it, for the last 60, 80 years, we have been finding a lot of things under the soil. For example, Paul Ehrlich's book back, what was that, in the 70s, that claimed that we were, we were on a fatal collision course, gonna run out of all of these natural resources. And every single one of the resources he said we'd run out of, we now have more of than we did when he wrote that book, because we found them. We are discoverers, we are explorers, we are scientists. We dig, we look, we measure, 
and we keep finding more and more of the resources that people have been saying my entire life, and I think the generation before, that we were gonna run out of any day now. So, that said, as we dig, as we plug, as we do all of that stuff, what do we find? We don't find fresh water laid clay very many places at all. We find it some around the Mediterranean, you will, and we know because you can dive in the Mediterranean and see old villages, you can see old statues. We know it's a geologically active area. There have been a lot of earthquakes. There have been a lot of floods there. There are still a lot of earthquakes there and sometimes some pretty tremendous flooding, although the flooding seems to have moved on to other areas of the earth because that's what weather does. We, um, we don't have that proof that we said we had. But we also did something else here. We took a story that was trying to tell us something and we forced it with our Western modern literalism to mean what we wanted it to mean. Now, there's a wonderful book by John Walton out there uh, that is about the lost world of the flood. Now, John Walton has a lot. Uh, did I call him Jonathan? I think he's John, John Walton. He has several books in his Lost World of series. Now, Dr. Walton has a very high view of scripture, tremendous amount of respect for it, takes it as written in its context and in its culture, and what the stories or what the words were, were meaning to the people who read it then. And in many ways, the flood story in scripture is an answer to flood stories that already existed in Mesopotamia. And his book is very short, by the way, this particular one. I've not come across a bad one yet in that series. And he doesn't pretend to know everything. So when he's in a passage that deals with something in which he is not expert, he brings somebody else in to co-write the book. And I really respect that. So um, Lost World of, I think it's of the biblical flood. But if you um, put John Walton in a Lost World of, you'll see them all pop up. Um, one of my favorites is the Lost World of Adam and Eve. But that's another question. So was it, um, was it a, a global flood? Well, it was to Noah. How can I explain that? Please remember that when they said the world, they meant their world. Paul said that the word of God had already gone out into all the world. But we know it had not made it to South America, had not made it to Asia, certainly not made it to Vanuatu or any of the uh, uh, islands in the Pacific, hadn't made it to Australia. So was he lying? Was he wrong? No. He used the word, word world to mean what it meant to him and to his hearers. And that was the known world for someone based out of the Roman Empire. At that time, Roman Empire would grow, but not it wasn't as big as it would be. How's that? So, no, there's really no reason to insist upon a global flood. And I know a lot of people right now are screaming at the screen because I would have done the very same thing 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah, I really would have. But here's the thing. Are we open to evidence? Are we? I know that after friends of mine and I'd love to say their names, but I didn't clear that, so I won't. But friends of mine challenged me on this and gave me really big, thick books on what we're finding. And then I talked to people whose job it is to find resources, therefore to dig and know what's under the ground 
even a mile, two miles underneath. I have no idea how exact that was, by the way, but way down there. Um, what do you do when what you've been saying is shown not to be true now? Do you have integrity enough to change what you say? And if you do, what does that do with the way you looked at the scripture as literalist as written and heard by Westerners? So I had to spend a lot of time talking to people who knew the book, knew the Bible in a different way. And one of them said something to me, which has always stuck with me, and that is, if you're telling the story of the ark and you're trying to figure out how many square feet the cheetahs needed, you've missed the point. The point is sin, the anger of God, and salvation, which comes from entering a covenant with God, and yes, obeying God. That was a story that needed to be told, and it was told that way. It wasn't meant to be a scientific treatise, no more than Genesis 1 and 2 are. It was meant to be a corrective to the myths of the day by telling a holy story in a way that made sense, and we could all say, I got it. Not an Aesop's fable, but not literal history embedded in scientific principles. It's a pre-scientific world. They couldn't write scientific principles had they known they existed and wanted to. So, do I love the story of Noah? Yes. Do I believe it's true? Yeah. But if you'll remember, and boy, you'd have to have a great memory to do it. It's been a couple of years, I think, that we talked about the difference between truth and facts. Telling a story, a parable, tells us truths. The parables aren't telling you a factual story. They're telling you truths and illustrating it by this story. And there are great truths in Noah's story. It is, a, in fact, there was a movie made with Russell Crowe with Noah. Christians went ballistic and made fools of themselves, frankly, about it by saying that's not biblical. Well, it kind of was because for a very long time, the books of Enoch were in the Bible. Whether or not they were accepted as much as, by, uh, as the other scriptures, that's a good argument. And I think you can make an argument that they weren't, but they were so special, you can still get them today. You can get one. Um, online free and read it. You can also um, get modern day versions of them. And in Enoch, all of the, those rock monsters and the life after and the stowaways, all of that's in there. And those stories were written to tell us facts. No, they were written to tell us truths. And we can glean the truths from them. When we insist upon the Bible being literal as written by Westerners, as heard through Western modern ears, we do it an incredible disservice because it wasn't written to us. It was written for us, but not to us. We need to put ourselves into the lives and culture, linguistics and history of the time and see what it said to them and then trust and obey. Well, that, that's one answer to a story. So there are many, many evidences for a massive global flood in this region uh, where, where Noah lived. There are not evidences of that being a global phenomena. And so it's really about what will you do when the evidence doesn't quite match, or doesn't match at all, what you've been saying 
And will that make you throw out scripture? Because another question comes, and it comes in various forms, and I've got, I don't know how many different varieties of it. If this didn't happen, you know, said so in the Bible, for example, one of them which is brought up, which is a very easy one to check on yourself. In the book of Joshua, they go through and systematically, it's a very linear book, systematically they absolutely destroy to the uttermost a, a, a number of tribes, people. I mean, just genocide, wiped out men, women, boy, children. Then the book of Judges, every one of those tribes shows back up. So are you going to take Joshua literally or Judges? The fact is that that's, that's not a choice you have to make. In Joshua, they were speaking a certain way because you write different in war language than you do in other, especially in the Middle East war language, which they still do, by the way. And numbers will be inflated. False confidences will be shouted. I'll never forget the um, second man in Iraq for the first Iraq war, so many, was standing there saying, it's all a myth. The Americans have not entered. They are, not, they are afraid of us. And in the background, in the shot, you could see American tanks coming in. Was he lying? Yeah, kind of. But that's war talk. The mother of all battles, the mother of all bombs. We will wipe you off. We're going to turn you into glass. I mean, all of this. It is the way you speak. And besides, we need to do another one on these just on the genocide story. We've done a couple of them before. But be aware, these stories are trying to teach you truths. They're not trying to teach facts as Westerners understand facts. It's a very different world. And to be honest, we have to deal with the world they were in because it's their book and it's their story. Now, can we gain from it? Oh my goodness, yes. God made sure we still have these stories because they're important stories. And we can learn to trust and obey. And we can learn that God hurts when people sin and that God must respond, even though it seems to us like he takes a long time to respond to sins of, of other people. We're, we're very cool with him not responding to ours. He does respond. He does get hurt. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We can learn all of these things and still believe the evidence that we find right in front of our eyes. You wanna do this some more? I'm hearing people that say they wanna get rid of some of these questions and they've got more questions. Okay, let's do a few more of these in our Monday morning, who told you about? Because everybody that ever told me about Noah told me with their facts and I didn't know about the others. Plus a whole lot more is now known about the world beneath our feet than was known 40 years ago. Seriously, you think phones and computers are developing super fast? That's about the speed of our knowledge of what's happening under our feet. And it shouldn't shake our faith because we can learn the truth through these stories. God bless you. Hope to talk to you soon. Have a fantastic week.